Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello! From the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Down. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. West Virginia beat the Drexel Dragons. And so the positives are that's the last Kirk Creesa polo game. West Virginia scored more points than Drexel. That's a positive. Seth Wilson, they were running offense for Seth Wilson. And Seth Wilson was making shots in rhythm. Fantastic to see. And the negatives, I brought, I'm not bragging, but I bring cash to the Coliseum. That's my experience. You pay cash to park. You pay cash for the Zoles. Like those are cash only scenarios. Show up at the Coliseum, cashless society in the Coliseum. Card only, including for parking, card only. Do I have cash on me on the regular? Absolutely not. Does that fit my lifestyle? Absolutely. Was it weird that I prepared with my going to the ATM experience? Only weird for me. And then the other negative is that this game was, um, oh, another positive. West Virginia didn't run out of gas. Like you can see, a cook played more minutes. A cook scored his first uh, baskets for WVU. That's exciting. Having him give breaks for Quinn and Jesse, that was encouraging. And I like that. And I'm going to like when Kerr gets to play and do the same for the guard rotation. So that's a positive. The negative is you needed Drexel to miss some shots. And they had good looks, and they just missed the good looks. And even uh, – I had an angel and devil scenario. I took my family with me. The angel on my shoulder was my mother-in-law, who at the under four timeout in the second half, she looked at me and said, we're going to win this game. And then I had the devil on my shoulder, which was my father, who <laughs> – when West Virginia was turning the ball over late in the game, he was saying, now watch this. They're going to come down and make a three. So much so that when <laughs> when Quinn went to the line for one and one late, I got ahead of him and said, whatever you have in your head, don't say it out loud. Because I knew what he was about to say is, 
Quinn's going to miss the the front end. And did that happen? Yes. Did I keep my father from saying that out loud? Yes. Did I know what he was thinking? Yes. But West Virginia gets a win. They've those have been premium. They get Kerr back for the upcoming game against UMass. I don't know how to even speak on the Raekwon battle situation. Multiple lawsuits. I do know that. One Raekwon battle versus the NCAA, and then one where multiple states are suing the NCAA in regards to their their transfer policy and the waiver process. All that feels like it's going to take some time. The semester's ending, so can West Virginia bring a guy in for the for the second semester, for the spring semester, I I can't knowledgeably talk about any of that other than it's just very definitely in the background and can change the outlook of this team and this season, or it can be absolutely what it is now, which is these are our 10 scholarship guys available. We're up to 10. So technically five Scholarship guys could play five scholarship guys in practice, and then all 10 of those guys can play in the games moving forward if they're not injured. And that's exciting. Just more guys. And so we're up to double digits. That's a that's a great thing to have. You'd like to have that in the first game of the season. West Virginia couldn't do that, but we're here now. And a coach played more minutes, and Kerr's going to – I don't think he's going to have a limit, but – how do you get in the game shape when you're practicing? We're going to find that out together. But that leads me into my guest, a rare interview during the season for this podcast. Curry Hicks Sage joins the show. Who is Curry Hicks Sage? If you don't know him and you're not on the X on the Twitter, I'm just going to read his biography. Is that what you call that? Your your bio in, in X? Foremost unaffiliated expert on college basketball coaching searches. His words. And I listened to Curry Hicks Sage in June when West Virginia had a coaching search. And he hosts some Twitter spaces. That's what they were called at that time. And trying to figure out what's going on, who West Virginia is going to hire. We talk about that in the interview. And he's also on because he's a rabid UMass hoops and football fan. And so West Virginia plays UMass in Springfield this coming Saturday. So we start with UMass conversation, and then we get into the WVU coaching situation. Here's my interview with Curry Hicks Sage. This interview has some adult language, listener discretion advised. All right, Curry Hicks Sage, welcome to Unreasonable Down, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Thrilled to be here. Genuinely thrilled to be here. I love the Mountaineer fan base. One of my favorites in the country. A place I, that is like very much a bucket list destination for me. A place I have fond memories of in my earliest years as a UMass fan. Watching West Virginia. Like in my, I mean, I guess they left the A-10 probably when I was like seven. But I, I feel like I can remember it. Some amazing Cal Perry era wins down there. And just uh, a place I've always had a lot of admiration for in terms of their passion for for their program. Awesome, man. And you got to meet some of us in the summer. And so I'll, I'll do dealer's choice. I've got UMass questions and I've got WVU coaching search questions. Which, which do you want to start first with? 
You know, whatever I, the one I think is there's more meat on the bone for your audience uh, is is uh, WVU coaching search. So maybe you do the UMass stuff quick. I give you the roster stuff, and then you get we get into the nitty gritty because I I suspect uh, knowing that fan base a little bit from the summer when I was doing kind of a a little bit of a search you know show um, that. And I don't know if, if in your intro, by the way, do you do you did you tell them the, your 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 listeners like this the context on this? I'm going. Yes, they have already heard me. Right. I haven't recorded I got it. Yet, it. Okay. But they have heard how you're related to this. Absolutely. Yeah, I dabble in two worlds, and they're, they're sort of different. But um, so I, why don't we do UMass first, and then we'll we'll get into the stuff that your people really want to hear, and they or they can skip ahead, I guess. But uh, you know, fantastic I'll do a break, breakdown of the UMass stuff. So Frank Martin, second season, you're five and two going into the game next Saturday with West Virginia. And just looking at stats, I haven't seen UMass play, but some of the things read like a Frank Martin team, right? Lots of offensive rebounds, uh, aggressive defense, foul a bunch. What do you think so far of the Frank Martin experience in Massachusetts? In year two or year one? In year two. Year two, much, much to like. Hard to say, though, because the chemistry seems really good. They seem like sort of a much more kind of frank team than last year. High effort guys. You know, a lot of the cliches, but the, the important cliches, so to speak, um, they they compete really hard. They share the basketball. They're pretty balanced. They get a lot of paint touches to this kid, Josh Cohn, who's a transfer from St. Francis of Pennsylvania, who was a top 10 scorer in the country last year, I think. And. The, the caveat here is that, and you guys know this, um, but just with non-conference basketball games, it's like there's 362 teams in D1, and we haven't played anybody. I guess maybe our win over Lowell this weekend, they're they they're surprisingly decent. They beat Georgia Tech, and they're maybe just fringe top 150 Ken Palm type team, but they were without their their star big, who I think is like a pit transfer, pretty good player who gave us a lot of trouble last year when we lost to them. So, um, you know, so we do have that win and it comes a little bit of a caveat. It was a really nice win, but they were without sort of their really good big and and our bigs just kind of cooked them. So um, the thing about this group is, you know, and it could kind of could be a seven and O team. They, they lost, they, they went 10 for 25 against Harvard from the foul line. So losing by three and it was like, outplayed them in every facet and then ran into a weird Towson team last week in their first true road game where Towson just kind of played out of their minds and, 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 you know, shit happens. But um, so it's like, I don't know if they're good yet. Um, I know that the effort is really quality and that in a, in a kind of balanced a 10 with a bunch of teams in the, you know, 70 to 170 range, they'll be capable of competing with just about anybody. There's also a chance they'll be capable of losing to just about anybody on the road. So um, it, it's, it's, and it's funny because the West Virginia game, obviously when that was announced pretty everything, it was kind of like, Oh, we, we, this is really great. We get like Huggins is doing a solid for Frank and we're going to have a real test at kind of at a in a quasi home game atmosphere. And now it's like, truth be told, if we beat you, I it's the rare year that an A-10 team like beating West Virginia is like not going to have the same, uh, you know, national cachet. And so, you know, right after this, they go out to Hawaii and play 
Georgia Tech, who, you know, lost to UMass Lowell. So it's, it's like a very weird feeling as a fan because I really like this group of kids. I really like the way they compete. And I just don't know that I'm prepared to say if they're good or not, because when you don't play, haven't played anybody, anybody in the top hundred or even like one, you know, 125, it's, you know, hard to say. Time sure. will tell. Yeah. And you've got lots of new guys. You talked about the transfer and then Frank's playing a bunch of freshmen that I, I count four that are in the rotation and like six or seven total. So lots of youth. Who has impressed you most out of the first seven games of the freshmen that have joined uh, UMass? So um, this kid, Jalen Curry, is kind of like the most uh, high major player of the bunch in terms of, you know, had a bunch of high major offers. Frank had some relationships. He's sort of like a he's got some pizzazz to his game. He's a lefty. He's shown flashes of of really impressive kind of like looks the part play. But in terms of um, just quality, there's this kid who's I think he started every game and I had my kid's fourth birthday party yesterday. So I only saw the last 10 minutes. But um, Jaden and uh, and I mispronounce his last name every time. It's really bad of me. Um, he's like this kind of six, five. Do it all like all the little things. I, I bet his plus minus is just off the charts kind of kid, you know, um, doesn't really make mistakes, gets, you know, lots of offensive rebounds, um, unbelievable saves, you know, like timely steals, doesn't really make any bad reads or passes. And, you know, has just sort of by virtue of effort and smarts has is just a winner, you know, and he was kind of under recruited and he's started every game and just been uh a glue guy that you you rarely see um as a as a true freshman so he's like he's not a guy i I bet you if you look at his numbers right now they're they're on paper underwhelming but he impacts the game in a zillion ways and um has become a fan favorite in short you know very quickly which west virginia struggling and we'll get to that, but one of those things we don't have right now is that guy we can point to as, like, glue guy. So it's always good to have one of those guys, and so it sounds like Jade's the guy. And so we – Saturday happens, the game's played. What will be the stat we look at after the game and say, this is how the Minutemen beat West Virginia? Yeah, UMass goes – so despite all the freshmen, they have two really, really terrific – uh, an old bigs. Um, one is Josh Cohn, that player I was referring to from St. Francis. He is truly plays like a 44 year old who's dominating you at the local Y. I mean, he's probably like old man six, game. Yeah. Old man game, like six, a really throwback, like, like six, 10, maybe two fifty, two forty, whatever. I don't think he jumps. I don't think he's dunked the ball this season. I mean, maybe he has, but, you know, but he just like, he just knows how to catch the ball in the right spot, knows how to, he's an impeccable finisher. And, you know, um, he had a, I think he had a 40 point game last year against Miami for them, maybe 30. And he he's, he's just, um he's like, he shot like 60%. He's probably averaging 17, 18 now, you know, seven, eight boards. And again, like he doesn't, he barely jumps when he shoots it, you know, and um just really good in the paint and really crafty. It'll be interesting to see um, at Jesse Edwards against him, just athletically 
Um, there's there's obviously no contest, but it's it's like every game you're like, how is Cohen going to find a way to score against that kid? Or you know, because he looks like the least athletic kid almost every time, and he just dominates. You know, like he gets to his spots. He gets right, gets guys up in the air. Just knows how to play. Yeah, yeah, just knows how to play. And like, I mean, like he's had some game. I mean, a game against like Central Connecticut. He might have. I feel like he was like, I want to say he finished like. 28 on like, you know, 11 of 11, like, like crazy stat lines. So he can be really good, but you know, we, you know, he did struggle maybe once against slightly more athletic defender. I can't remember who, so it'll be interesting to see him. And then Matt cross is kind of our, I mean, he's a real stud. He's a, he's a true high major kid who started his career um, at Miami and was starting as a true freshman left like mid season, ended up at Louisville and was, um, pretty good on that team too, you know, maybe a six man kind of player, but then that was when um, I guess Chris Mack left. So he came home. He's a Massachusetts kid. He's in second year here and having him as a second year guy, like he's become at, at the ACC. He was a little bit of like a stretch three slash four man who could shoot the shit out of it. Now he's a bulldog. He's like true six, seven, six, eight, two, 25, gets downhill tough as shit um just a dog and um kind of as those two go we go and then it's so it's those two and then a bunch of hard-working freshmen essentially right um a good you know pretty solid sophomore point guard who can who makes good decisions and really has been the most improved player on the team keon thompson but um those two are you know if, if they're in foul trouble or they're struggling um will struggle against kind of anybody on our schedule if they're cooking like anybody on our schedule you know we could we could beat um and so you know that's that's really the that's really the the whole you know the, i think that's the best way to describe it and i, I kind of like the balance in this roster and just in the sense that i i think it's the more watch college hoops i watch over the years i kind of i kind of think it's nice when there's some role definition particularly in this era of portals and stuff i think it's nice when there's a couple of dudes, you know, that you kind of just know are your guys. And then a bunch of like younger guys who really compete. I think that's a fairly good combination in this era. Cause I think a lot of times programs are trying to build where they just get like five kids who can all score 15 and, you know, from with NIL money. And it's like, all right, but like, who's, who's the dude here? You know what I mean? So I, I, I kind of like that in t- from like a roster composition standpoint, but you know, of course, if those two get in foul, trouble we're very very thin up front and so it's really a matter of you know those two being efficient effective and and relatively foul free and then UMass can can certainly hang or win the basketball game if not um it could be a long night you're speaking my language when when you're talking about thin up front because West Virginia fans know all about that so that's the transition to our WVU questions uh Bob Huggins I'm going to air quote this resigned in June (laughs) <laughs> you were on the coaching search. How well do you think West Virginia handled that search given the circumstances and that ended with Josh Eiler getting the interim job? Gosh, I got, I'm, I'm thinking back now, man. And, and what, a, what a journey that was. I think I got like, just from a selfish uh, vanity standpoint, I think I got like seven, 800 West Virginia followers during that time. So, I mean, for, for, so I'll, uh, from, from a sheer um, vanity standpoint, I'll always have, them to thank for you know um my 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 uh my numbers but no i mean 
Gosh, I, it was a, it was a hard spot. You know, I think look, with the hindsight is 2020 and in real time, I was like, what the fuck is going on over there? You know, I think um, ha- stepping back and kind of like understanding just all of these swirling dynamics and kind of the confluence of circumstances of, you know, a, a very new AD, um, a legendary figure um, who was, you know, by most accounts sort of involved or quasi involved in the search for his successor on some level right um the fact that you had this you know monster nil situation that you'd put together um and like the questions of whether you'd be able to retain some of that and the questions of you know do you need and 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 in the end like and so in real time i was like what is going on here like this is just you know and and if you were going to go with um uh, Josh Eilert, then like, why not just on day two announce that, you know what I mean? Um, but the kind of, so the flirtation with a full departure only to then return to him and not retain a lot of the star talent. Uh, I, I would say it was not, um, you know, a textbook case of, 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 a, of a well-handled search at the same time. I have respect for, is it Ren Baker? Mm-hmm. I have respect for the fact that, like, he, I think, you know, it's probably hard for West Virginia fans to hear this on some level, but I think he recognized, look, like, at, at this late date, I'm not getting Dusty May or something to uproot his life and come to this, like, very un- difficult, you know, situation. And sometimes you have to, you know, sort of throw a year, so to speak, right? Um, and I think that you guys, in many ways, your struggles this year will probably help um, Baker kind of do what he needs to do and win the fan base over with respect to like, he's the one calling the shots this time. There's no doubt about it. Probably also helps. Like, I don't, I don't know. You could, you'd be the judge of this, that Neil Brown is appears to be returning. And so you don't have the kind of twin money situation just yet. And, and, you know, there's a way in which sometimes, the 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 team that needs the money first benefits you know i think sure. so i think that all in all um you know you're in a good spot now with respect to this coming search season um and you know i i, I but but yeah i thought i thought the the in the moment of, it's like oh my gosh what is I, that? I mean i mean like for me so like for me as someone who for whatever strange reason, my brain has just obsessively gravitated toward this niche universe of searches. Um, for me, it was great, right? From like a, it's like that meme on the internet of like, the I, feel bad, I, feel, I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content, you know? <laughs> like, you know, like I, I um, so yeah, like as a, as a practitioner of, of like how to manage a search, I don't think that you would say this was a good one, like, but I'm not a practice. I'm a commenter, you know, ultimately. So um, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but as like just drama and narrative and like Shakespearean art. Um, but I guess Gordon G is getting rid of all of that. So, I mean, maybe we didn't do anything. <laughs> it's uh, it was wild. And we're still, it's just been since then, just, count the dominoes that have fallen that have not went in West Virginia's direction. And so you had that with Josh Eilert where he inherited this uh, position interim job for a year. If you're Ren Baker, 
how do you and and he'll be included in that search how do you judge your interim coach given the circumstance he inherited like how do you do that fairly or do you not even i don't even think you try right yeah. um, unless unless like for whatever i mean the only way this is a, a there's a wrinkle here and that makes it fascinating is what if for whatever reason you know Look, you got Kirk Carissa coming back, as I understand. Um, a cook, a cook, I think, came back. I haven't followed the, the ongoings there too much. But what if, you know, in a Big 12 where there's going to be, you know, 73 teams make the tournament, um, you steal some games and all of a sudden you're like 8 and 10 and you, you win a game against somebody good in that conference tournament and you – I can't see a scenario where you back yourself because you, just because some of your losses in the non-conference, but you get so many shots. And the fact that West Virginia team made the tournament last year, right? Like that, you just get so many shots in the Big Twelve. And look, as an eight ten fan, who a league that was a three bid league not long ago. Sorry, I'm just throwing the popcorn, and I apologize. Um, I sincerely apologize. So, um, you get you get so many shots at great opponents there that you know, stranger things have happened, but absent them, you know, backing their way into the tournament by winning, you know, eight of their last 10 in dramatic fashion. And, you know, the Morgantown fan base really kind of like coalescing around, around him. I, I can't, I can't imagine he's really meaningfully in the mix and, you know, that's no fault to him. It's just like West Virginia has a great NIL situation going they're able it they're it's a great fan base like you're able to get a really good coach there and uh, and by really good i just mean established you know known and i and i think of the jobs that appear to kind of be coming up you know you're one of the best ones so if there is a rising star who wants to jump then i think you're poised to potentially you know poach him Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And that's um, that's good to hear. In my lifetime, I've been blessed to only have three WVU head coaches, technically four if you count the guy that was here for two weeks between Catlett and Beeline. Um, 
Wait, who was before Beeline? I can't remember. So it was Gail Catlett for a longtime coach, then Dan Dockich for a week, and then oh my uh God, the Dockich saga. Zero, zero, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then we luck out and go with Beeline that gets us hugging. So it's uh it's rare for us to go through this process on the basketball side, pretty comfortable with it on the football side, even with having <laughs> Don Nealon there as long as he was. Football's always been a uh, we're ready for the next guy where basketball, it's been pretty sturdy, uh, when the guy gets in there. So this is new for us. It's good to hear West Virginia is considered like a, a, a good program to look at, obviously with the facilities fan base. Um, do you think we'll see some overlap on the names mentioned in June with this upcoming search in the spring? Yeah, I think that's, and I should also note, look, there are people out there like, you know, kind of self-professed like insider types, which I, I don't profess. I, I don't really like that vibe. But anyway, um, who would say, oh, West Virginia is really hard. They have a really demanding fan base and it's a tough place to recruit. Like, I don't see it that way. I, I just think like you guys can kind of recruit from anywhere because you you're kind of can get, you know, kids from Maryland and that hotbed up there. And then you can sort of go, you know, west too. So it's a Cincinnati and get, you know, but so, yeah, that's just me. But anyway. Um, and I would always like encourage you guys to like, you know, tell those tell those doubters to to get bent, so to speak. But um, I, uh, especially in the NIL era, so I think that that question you asked is is a little bit um, is a little bit dependent on performance this year, right? Sure. So let's go through the names. I mean, Andy Kennedy. I don't know what UAB is up to. He obviously wanted it bad. Um, I don't know the extent of what, how the last search also may or may not have um, strengthened or damaged relationships between Baker and the candidates. I'm not intimately enough. I'm not intimately connected enough to know that. I'll try to find it out, but you guys would probably know better than me. And so I, I would say, like, I don't think Calhoun is having a great year at Youngstown State. There were some high expectations there, and I don't think it's gone terribly well thus far um so those two are kind of like your they're not quite huggins adjacent but they're well kennedy is but they're they're west virginia they're west virginia familiar let's call it um and i think you know and whether this is right or wrong i think it's accurate like my sense is those guys just weren't quite sexy enough for for baker to go with and so he you know because there was rumors that you know i think I forget which one, but that they might have offered him three years, but he was like, he was like, that's bullshit, you know, and so they couldn't come to terms. Um, so I, I can't imagine they're going to go back to that well too much. Are there other names? Um, and then like Beeline was thrown around as kind of like a quasi interim thing. That's not going to happen. They're going to do just a regular search, I think, and get the best guy. Like, I don't see this as um, as terribly complex on that front. Can you hear me? Yeah, oh. I can. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I just had to silence a call from my dad, um, a regular guest on search season and so, or no, like really on the UMass show. So he'll just come in sometimes and it's very, it's a funny bit. Um, but yeah, so who else, who are the other names that got thrown around? I'm trying to think in a real way. Oh, in a real way, it was Calhoun. It was Kennedy. There was the beeline talk. Um, I'm, I don't. I think that's the universe for me that's as far as it. a real yeah. one. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see any of them. Unless like one of the first two that you mentioned has like a shocking tournament run where they go deep, 
and there's sort of a hot name and never discount that. That's always the thing that happens, you know. Um, but I, I don't think you'll have you'll have that. There was also like, but then there was like also crazy talk of like Joe Missoula, you know, leaving and the Celtic. division two guy. That's the other. I don't remember the name, but the division two kind that had oh, Rand oh, Baker Bob, ties. Uh, ben Ben McCollum's name yes. got thrown around a little. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's an interesting name, but yeah. So like, I think as far as like. I think this is just going to be a straight up regular search, you know, like, like names all around the country. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see whether Huggins, I don't know. It sounds like Huggins is sort of on better footing than he was then. Um, He's showing up to the Coliseum, uh, which is a, just a weird vibe. Um, it's, I don't know on the administration side that Huggins tied that probably felt more important in June. I don't, I agree with you that that's probably not there given the circumstances, but it is, I mean, he's showing up for games and uh, it, just in the Coliseum, just a paid seat and, and watches the games. He hasn't been to all of them, but it's just a weird dynamic. And I don't know how that works. I can't imagine it's, it's, it can't get worse than June, but I don't think it's gotten, I don't know how much better it's gotten since that. Well, because like, I guess the question with that is like, do your money people still listen to him? And are they in the ear of Baker based on Because I know to some extent they were back then, right? And that kind of makes sense. Some people sure. were like, oh, we can't let, you know, this is so dysfunctional. We can't let, you know, Huggins be like dictating it. And it's like, okay, fair enough. But like, he is Bobby Huggins. And even despite this, but, you know, but that was June, right? And so right. now I think like at a certain point, any kind of professional and it's no, no knock on Bob. It's just like any professional athletic director is just going to want to make that call themselves. And if their hands, you know, if their, if their hands are tied because of pre-existing relationships with a, with a couple of donors, then it's like kind of a pointless job to be in. I always think, you know, like, right. Right. And I have to imagine he probably has a little bit of more credibility now. And if he's smart and he sounds like a sharp guy, he has probably spent, the um intervening months having those conversations with with the right donors to make sure that it's like they're happy but it's also like hey guys like i got this from here you know right yeah i I think that's the i think that's the vibe he's very involved in the nil uh group he's very he said on record that he's got a list and and i don't i don't i think he's taking a proactive approach uh, and having those conversations and will be ready. And he saved the headache of worrying about uh, Neil Brown with an eight and four season on the football side. So that does help him get some focus on, uh, he did a great job so far with the women's side, uh, getting that coach. And so he'll take that momentum plus not having to worry with Brown to tackle what's going to happen in March. And it'll be yeah, interesting. He also has the tremendous benefit of, of, you know, four months to do this you know i mean many of these searches right like people kind of forget that guys will sort of like have a better year than you're expecting and now you kind of aren't sure if you're going to fire them and you're you know like you guys basically are ready to go and he can be having conversations through back channels through agents most likely with any candidate he has any interest in whatsoever in just terms of like gauging their interests what are the family like and that helps a lot i think in terms of i mean the thing i love about searches is they're so like quirky each of them's a little different and you know somebody's wife has a certain concern about 
you know, the schools in Morgantown or like whatever the thing may be, you now have several months to gather all the intel and kind of um, be able to anticipate some of the, the hurdles and, um, you know, how you're going to navigate that when the time comes. Because end of the day, searches take between, you know, four and 24 days officially, right? And often that's all you get. I mean, yeah, they're, they're thinking about it, but like, you know, there's a lot of other things falling. You're, you're, you are off to the races here already and you can kind of game out. So I would say like the expectations for West Virginia fans, I'm sorry if I'm just on a digression here, but should be high because you guys have all the advantages in terms of how to conduct the search and just like the mechanics of it. Right. It's not starting on day one in March. It started back in June, technically, and, and exactly. to do what you're describing. And so exactly. um, so that's encouraging. And then last question, who's going to win Saturday night? Is it Minute oh, Man? Wait, I thought we were going to go through names. I thought we were going to go through names. Well, well, I guess let's quickly let's go through names in that it doesn't seem early to talk about them in the de- December, given what you just said, that that names can emerge Teams can come out of nowhere, and those names ride with those to top of coaching search lists. It, do you have like a a pseudo list outside of uh, Kennedy and and Calhoun? I mean, I don't have those guys on can, my list. Yeah, period. period. So, okay. Um, I, I think like so. Nico Medved, I just learned this week because I got a couple of guys. Me and um, you know, me and a couple of search search heads have our little group chat going now, and um. Somebody brought to my attention this week, and I, I hope I'm not breaking news here, but um, I don't want to attribute this to the person because they may not want me to share share it. But Nico Medved, who's kind of the the up and coming star or among the up and coming stars in this game, who's killing it at Colorado State this year. They were undefeated until losing yesterday, I think, to St. Mary's. Uh, the consensus I had thought was he was going to Minnesota, which is his alma mater, and he even has I, I've been told has like a special buyout clause with just Minnesota, like a dream job buyout clause. <laughs> and interesting. Then someone brought to my attention that his wife is from Morgantown and that the two of them got married there. So, and frankly, West Virginia is a much better job than, than Minnesota at this point. So um, I, I had to like, you know, I see that as noteworthy. I'm not trying to start careful not to start too many rumors but i think you know like that's those are salient facts you know um that that i think you can do with what you will but that's interesting um then in terms of like really swinging for the fences and just like going for it i mean i think you have to like consider dusty may just because you know after what he did at fau last year and how he built that program up and what he's done again this year you know He's going to obviously be the the anointed one, so to speak, um, at at any big job. And so, you know, whether Louisville Louisville probably comes open, and you know, some people say, well, he's waiting for Indiana, where he went was a manager under under Bob Knight. But I, I just think like you guys are big enough to at least um, hold on. My wife asked me to come, quiet down. Um, good content. Um, he is. A name, I think you'd have to you'd have to pursue a little bit, right? And then, yeah. um, and then, I think you know, Brent Baker 
has a pre-existing relationship with um, Grant McCausland, McCausland at um, at the Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. Right. You know, because they they were together at North at North Texas, which is a really impressive program in its own right. And you know, I don't know that he would leave after one year. I think he's got it pretty 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 good at Texas Tech. But I personally think West Virginia is an easier place to win, generally speaking, than Texas Tech. Not dramatically so, but I think it is. Um, and you never know. So guys, you know, was uh, who was it? Was it um, Underwood? Was at you know, Oklahoma state for like a year. And then he went to Illinois, you know, so it happened. Um, and I think, you know, that, that would certainly be, be a name you'd have to think would, would have, would get a call. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, is there any other names you guys are hearing around there? No, not really. I, I think it's early and, and we still are trying to process the Raekwon battle waiver scenario and, and like a pie in the sky, what if we've got everybody and what does that look like? And does that help Eilert? So I think we're in too soon to talk about it for the most part. I think that increases once battle stays where he's at, not eligible. And then West Virginia enters this big 12 schedule. I think, I think we'll start seeing some names and, and some things thrown about as far as who could possibly come in. And then, like you said, just the names that we don't know yet that could show up on the radar. Given and I, how and I would, one other thing I would just say, like as a fan base for you guys, because you have an incredibly good, rabid online fan base. And there's no doubt, no matter what athletic directors will tell you. And I, I originally came to all this kind of as a fan during the UMass search a couple of years ago. And I don't care what anybody says, they pay attention to fan sentiment, right? It doesn't necessarily drive the bus. You know, usually money guys do, but money guys sometimes also listen to grassroots fan sentiment. And I would just say, like, if there's anything I've tried to do with this whole search season nonsense, it's don't preclude yourselves. Don't don't do away with the idea of guys who aren't necessarily, quote unquote, names being really fucking good. And I think especially in the West, in the NIL era, where you guys have a good NIL situation, you have the resources in place. To, to sort of get the talent you need and it's changed that that's changed the game so much in recruiting. You don't necessarily need like a world-class recruiter anymore, right? The NIL does a lot of that for you. And there's just guys I'm watching around the country. I was rambling about my, my recent, you know, flavor of the week, which is this guy, Josh shirts at Indiana state. And my point was that in an NIL environment um, where you, where you, recruiting has changed, right? Like, Kids want, you know, there's exceptions, but kids want money. Let's just call it out, right? And so there once was a time where, you know, you were a great recruiter. You really sold the kid and you were persuasive. And maybe there was some money, you know, coming through other ways, but that was, you know, kind of not discussed. Now it's like, I mean, yeah, you still got to have a persuasive guy. You don't want to be around like jerks, but it's like, listen, like, what's my bag? And, you know, what else should I know? And how am I going to play? Right. And so, I think that that actually provides programs like West Virginia's the unique ability to go out and hire a guy who can really coach, even if his pedigree isn't as like an elite recruiter to a power five school, you know, because um, the, the, the thing that makes a power five different than a low major is the recruiting. And if you don't have to, first of all, like a lot of guys at low majors can recruit and they have great eyes for talent and whatever. 
but I'm just saying that like don't do a don't do like a washed up retread who like you know was good 10 years ago or or you know there's all these like kind of archetypes that people go after or a lot of times you know it's like not at West Virginia so much but you know the hot young assistant who you know there's a lot of things that can work at West Virginia but the bottom line is you have your infrastructure in place to be competitive from a resources and NIL standpoint so find a guy who can really coach you know and I think at West Virginia, the, the complaint I got most from fans in your fan base was like, there's a little too much like good old boy influence and, you know, dysfunction. And, and you know, it's like we, we got to hire a professional, not someone who just like knows how to glad hand with the eight biggest donors and, you know, the, the school president or whatever. I'm, I'm oversimplifying. But um, I think that that's probably right. Just get a great coach. And as a fan base. You know, they will fall there. You know, they are aware of the fan sentiment. Right. And so I always encourage fan bases like to give your ADs the permission to make interesting decisions, you know, because if they feel that permission, they're more likely to do it the right way. If they feel like, oh, we have to do it this specific way and get this fancy name so that we can win the press conference. Sometimes it works, but sometimes it really backfires. And I just would encourage them to be, you know, fans to sort of give their the decision makers the space to do interesting things. Yeah, I mean, and when you say that and it's 20 years ago, but it speaks to the the Dan Dockich there for a week, you know, Bobby Knight pedigree doesn't work out higher outside of the West Virginia spectrum with Beeline, just known to be a really good coach, as one everywhere, started from the bottom up, and that worked out well. So I, I think this fan base appreciates that, have that in their memory, and will look forward to something like that um, and being outside of the, the good old boy network as described. So And Beeline is such a good example, as you say, because you're right. He coached everywhere. And the thing I always think about is head coaching experience, doesn't matter what level, right? Like all the other stuff, I think, you know, can be taught and adapted to. But sometimes you'll hire these great young up and coming assistants who everybody says wonderful things about. But they've never had to sit there and like lead a program, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're leading a D2. Now, not that you go directly from D2, but I'm saying if you've if you're now if you're a top assistant, you know, at at uh Houston or something and I'm just thinking of like who's the best in the big 12 hour Kansas or and you've been a head coach elsewhere that's fine right like as long as you've been good at it right like that's but I I think like you know sometimes it's like we got to hire the guy who has three years of head coaching experience and has been like totally ascendant and and crushed it you know not to knock him because he's a good dude but Matt McCall at UMass our previous coach before Frank he was a Billy Donovan assistant at Florida for a long time, really in that circle, you know, connected and, and really well liked. Then he got two years at Chattanooga where he killed it. But the thing is, Chattanooga had been coached by Will Wade, who was really good. Who's another name West Virginia should take a long look at? Um, you know, I don't most. know with Will Wade's it, Google, Google Will Wade. He's doing great at McNeese State right now, but also he has the LSU experience on his record. And given the environment and all of the TMZ kind of uh, effects of this year, it, as a fan base, yeah. I don't know if we want to go in the, in the wheel no, yeah, territory, there's, there's some, even though a proven winner. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, that's the thing. Like, oftentimes with the sexiest names, there's there's drama associated with it, right? Like, that's kind of why they're, you know, why they're sexy. Like, you think of um, Lane Kiffin or something, you know, like, there's there's just that is a reality. And you have to ask yourself as a fan base, like, sort of what you're comfortable with in terms of. Um, but the point I was making was just that Will Wade had McCall had inherited a Will Wade team, won like 29 games with those kids his first year. And then had like one kind of, you know, they're like 19 and 12 and maybe lost the locker room. Who knows? Not important at this point. But then UMass saw that as enough to, to get him. And, and, and I was, at the time, I was like, oh, cool, good hire. But now as I look back, it's like, you know, he only had two years leading his own program. And it was at a place that he inherited a really good situation. And prior to that, he'd been at Florida, which was, you know, under Donovan, which operated like an absolute machine, right? And so having a guy who's, figured out how they want to run a practice, how they want to coach, who's seen a lot of different, just seen a lot of different bullshit over the years, right? doesn't matter the level because the drama internally is always the same. It's, you know, an asshole kid on the team who you can't get buy-in from. It's a assistant coach who's, you know, uh, wife and him are going through a divorce, whatever the things are, right? Like just having been in that chair, you can, learn a lot of that at any level of being a head coach. And I just think that, um, you know, kind of the, 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 the guy who's got three or four years of experience, experience, who's 37 and crushed it. There are a couple of those guys out there. They come along, you know, Shaka smart at one point, Dusty May's older than that. Now he there certainly can't miss guys that exist, but there's a lot of just terrific professionals out there who've been toiling for a long time. Shirts was the name that just came to mind. Um, and I think not being afraid of that is um, is important. That's fair. And this has been great stuff. Final two questions. First of all, you spoke highly of the West Virginia fan base uh, in your inter- interactions with us, especially over the summer. Is there a fan base that you've interacted with where you feel the opposite of how you feel about WVU fans? You know, throughout search season, I'd say, look, mo- I mean, I think that, when you get like the worst of the worst, you just kind of block them and move on, you know, but Providence is pretty crazy. Um, that's a unique place. Um, I, I, I kind of admire their craziness, but they're not many of them. Not all are, are just, they, I mean, it's funny. Cause if you grow up in New England, Providence as a city is like this weird thing. Cause it's kind of a legitimate city, but it's like always overshadowed by Boston and then by Yukon, the other direction. So, and, and it's like, and they, they think they should be really good because they have some history, you know, and, and it's really, and there's no pro teams in town. So it's like a weird thing where I don't think anybody gives a shit about Providence basketball, except for the 25,000 people for whom it's like their number one thing. And it's a bedlam atmosphere and they can just be a little irrational. And during the Ed Cooley departure, which was a crazy string of events, they were, uh, you know, Apoplectic. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Who who's the worst fan base for you guys in the Big 12? Like that's notorious. Because I mean, a lot of it's like I'm still interacting, meeting new fan, you know, like this year I'll I'll meet five new fan bases, you know. So like who should I be on the lookout for? It's wild that in, in its current iteration, we'll get to meet the four Pac 12. I, I think it's and I'm copying out here, but I think it's gonna be one of the four uh Pac 12 schools that are coming in, and I'm looking at you, Utah. As the possible Ooh. ire, just in the 
Uh, very, oh gosh, we're, we're joining the truck stop conference. We're way above this, even though they really, you, Utah thinks they're above the big 12 internet vibes. It doesn't speak for the fan base, but just what I saw on, on the social media, it was a very, and I don't blame them, but it was a lot of, how did we get, how did we get in a conference? Uh, where we're going to Lubbock and Morgantown. It was that kind of vibe with Utah, where I didn't feel that BYU came to Morgantown for football. Rave reviews of the fans. Well, BYU people, I mean, look, look, I don't want to, I never want to talk about any particular religion, but Mormons, you never beat a mean Mormon on the internet. They don't exist, you know? Maybe they do in their own, but like part of the whole like Mormon ethos is like they're super friendly. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Utah obviously has a lot of Mormons at Utah, I'm sure, too. But that's like the non-Mormon school. It's the state school. Right. You know, and um, and so I but but even so, I didn't wouldn't expect them to be like elitist and thumbing their nose at, you know, big 12 schools that have real pedigree that because it's not like Utah. I mean, where was Utah before the Pac-12, which is fairly recent? That's know? what's like, in my head, and it's probably recency of how successful they've been on the football side. Basketball, obviously, you know, West Virginia fans remember 97 and Rick Majerus's final yeah. four run. Um, but, like, uh, so I think that's football leading and recency of we've been really good, and now we're taking a step down in their minds. That was the most vocal one where the other ones were – more apt to like i mean colorado seems like a uh like a good fit arizona seems very symbiotic like it seems very good and then arizona state's ad who's no longer there he's like i'm not going to morgantown but that wasn't the fan base and i don't know i don't know how much passion is at the arizona state fan base but uh no utah is the is is my cop out because i i can't think of a of a rough uh fan base on the social on social media in the current iteration i really don't it's, it seems like a i mean everybody I talks their stuff like, but it's not crazy like it's not they're like, not in the big 12 anymore and i don't really interact with them online but everything i see out of texas a&m is just weird that is a right? <laughs> yes i mean it's just weird the like, word cult it, comes to mind the word it's just it's a unique place it's it's like. a weird weird deal like it's just nothing i mean it's like it's kind of like they're trying to be like maybe military but it's like you're not army navy you're not a service academy like no one respects you for that um you're like oil guys in like military uniform i don't really get what's going on there it's just it's never that one is just never made a lick of sense to me and they seem like a strange strange group but i mean obviously they're an unbelievably engaged fan base it's just i i don't know that one just there's something about it that just uh doesn't doesn't sit right with me and utah fans prove me wrong when you join the conference but that your introduction was was out there uh all right curry hicks sage who wins saturday west virginia or umass man with Kirk Carissa coming back, that's going to be a tough game for UMass. And I say this with full hope that I'm completely wrong and I'll catch it from some UMass people. But we struggled in that building last year against a good North Texas team. Um, I think West Virginia uh, wins the basketball game 72 to 66. Well, you haven't watched WVU because 72 is a stretch for any game. Uh, but 
I agree with you. In the Kerr's coming back, the offense is going to be way better. We'll see what the yeah. Without looks him, like. I mean, I think probably yeah. I'd say I'd say UMass by two or something. You know, right? Yeah. All right, Curry Hicks. Look, just if, has if been he has a, a good for thirteen. If he has a three for thirteen night and they can't get him the offense, there's many scenarios in which UMass could um, dominate. You know, win the game, but not dominate. But Jesse Edwards like is a really tough is like a, a really tough matchup. I think, and if and if it if it gets us in a little foul trouble, then it's you know, matchups are everything in college basketball. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, what yeah, do you think? It's going to be interesting. Well, if they run the, and now we have nine, we'll be up to 10 scholarship guys with Kerr there. We'll play eight and just spot minutes for another guy. And so UMass's road to victory in my head is the SMU playbook, which is run us to death, press, which Martin teams, I don't know if y'all are doing yeah, that now, we can but do you're that. capable we can do of doing that. that. And so you just run us into the ground and we're, but with numbers and another guy that gets a little bit tougher, I still think it's possible given it's Kerr's first game and just wondering how he approaches his first game eligible. Will he be pressing or will he be just fluid and and it works out well? That'll be the interesting part. You think you'll get any West Virginia fans in Springfield? There's always, you'll get a pocket. But it, I don't know how many, you know, really, what, with what happened in the summer, uh, that changed the dynamic of how many, <laughs> of what this game looks like. Obviously, the Huggins-Martin connection, uh, yeah. but also how many people are going to travel given West Virginia goes into this game with a losing record. So I, I Yeah, need, I'll be curious. I mean, UMass, too, because I think the kids start finals or are sort of beginning to finish up finals probably by that point. And it's like, it's a off, you know, it's a 30-minute it's a ride from campus, Springfield, and it's... um. You know, it's a it's a tough town. It's like it's a good it's a fun venue. When UMass is really good, they'll play there once in a while and it gets rocking. It's an old it's a kind of a dump, but it's a charming dump. It's like it's low ceilings. It can get really loud. It seats about seven thousand. And there's I'm sure there'll be a ton of Bonaventure fans for the first game. So who knows? I mean, it could get lively in there and that could help UMass. But, um, you know, I wouldn't expect it to be like terribly raucous. I don't know how big the pocket of WVU fans will be. They will be loud. And they will um, yeah. buy all of your beer. So uh, be prepared well, for that. If yeah. it was still there, um, it would have been it would have been really fun because I mean he played at UMass his first two years, um, but alas, yeah. Curry Hicks Sage, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you having me and then putting up with all my rants. Unreasonable Doubt is under the Smoking Musket umbrella. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to SmokingMusket.com. And at the top of the page, there's a button for Discord. Hit that button. And when you do that, you get into a world of people who are WVU fans who talk about all things WVU sports. All these different channels with all the different sports stuff out of sign of WVU, like-minded Mountaineer fans together talking about sports and other things. So go to smokingmusket.com, read the articles first, and then click that, or however you want to do it, click the Discord button and join the Discord and talk it up. Smoking Musket. Big thanks to Curry Hicks Sage for joining me on the podcast. You can find Curry Hicks Sage on X at Curry Hicks Sage, C-U-R-R-Y-H-I-C-K-S-S-A-G-E. 
The next game for WVU is Saturday, 6.30 p.m., ESPNU, Springfield, Massachusetts, the Hall of Fame Classic. I think this is a classic. And West Virginia plays the UMass Minutemen. So old Atlantic 10 rival UMass, UMass uh, coached by Frank Martin. So that's somebody we know. And the offensive rebound, and they get a lot of second-chance points, and they get a lot of points off turnovers. and But Kerr's coming back. And so how much will that help West Virginia's offense? This is a what is Kerr going to look like, and how does he change the dynamic of this team? Win or lose, what does it look like when we've got 10 guys available? And I, I know what that means probably for Jeremiah Bembry for the rest of the season, but how – Kerr and Seth and Kobe, how those minutes are spread out and a cook, a cook. Will he play more minutes? I would bet on that. And let's see what it looks like. Neither team. I mean, UMass as as you heard Curry Hicks Sage haven't played anybody yet and they have a couple of losses. So this should be fun. Technically a neutral site game, but it's in the state of Massachusetts, so it should be a high percentage of UMass fans. Let's see what it looks like. It'll be fun. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Down. Listen on all the platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, Pocket Cast Podcasts, YouTube. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt, WVU for the 2020. 2024 season they have four wins and they have five losses bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.